podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Humble, magical FA Cup goal tweets. A new low for too little, too late gate. Can you make a save in anger? What a job Sue Gray's doing over there at Labour, by the way. Can VAR retrospectively untrouble a goalkeeper? Managers moving upstairs. How many goals constitute helping yourself? The go-to verb for collecting assists. Who can and cannot run a game? And Keys and Gray find the exclusive angle. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is of course Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. And David Walker. How are you doing? You've got a lovely tale of Sunday League goodwill for us. I have. Uh, yeah, so yesterday uh, Ribblesdale Rovers were playing our sort of kind of rivals in a way, sporting crabs. Our fortunes have been linked in recent seasons. We've both been relegated in the, in the last two seasons together. Um, but anyway, classic scenario. We had 19 players available on Saturday. I had to drop myself and another player oh. from the squad. And our goalkeeper pulled out as well, taking us down to 16. So we, so we were without a goalkeeper. And then our two best players pull out like within an hour before the game on, on Sunday morning. So... We're already struggling. And because the goalkeeper wasn't available, I thought we had some gloves. We didn't have gloves in the kit bag. I don't know. I think they're yours, Adam, and I gave them back to you, actually. Yes. So we don't have any gloves. So I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get... Who's going to go and goal? How am I going to get gloves? What are we going to do? I was I was knocking on the door of a Sports Direct in Peckham before it opened <laughs> Literally on Sunday knocking morning. on the door. Knocking <laughs> on the door. He's been knocking on the door. <laughs> to try and get them to open, to let me in before Sunday trading hours would allow and they were having none of it. No, right I looked on Facebook Marketplace within one kilometre radius of Peckham Park, <laughs> Peckham Rye Park, of which, unsurprisingly, there were no results. Um, but we were saved, to their eternal credit, by our opposition, who um, I, I had to go over and said, look, this is a really tin pot request, but you don't have any, do you have any spare keeper gloves that we could we could use? And uh, I believe the, the, the gaffer of Sporting Crabs is a listener to the podcast and he was ah, really amenable to my request. Yeah, This podcast, saving your life bit by bit, which is great to hear. And also great to see the common sense consistency debate reaching the Sunday trading hours discourse <laughs> as well. Just open it for once, can't you? <laughs> Honestly. Brilliant. Brilliant. Excellent stuff. Right. Um, it's that time of year again, Charlie. We're up for the Football Supporters Association Award for Podcast of the Year. Our competition this time, Football Weekly, never heard of them. Not the top 20, more of them in the next week or so. The price of football, the rest is football, stable mates, and upfront podcast as well. Fancy our chances at all? I mean, it's always interesting to see who we get beaten by, uh, and this year will be no different. No, I, I, I've been optimistic before and been burnt, so... Um, or Don't not worry. optimistic, but more like... 
why not? Why we can do it? Maybe can't we? Uh, Dave's about to tell you why much. not. Dave's yeah. about to tell you why not. I know. Dave then hits me with some numbers. <laughs> that's and, awful, uh, isn't it? It's really just gut wrenching. But that's hey. what his job is, I suppose. Well, look. The big question is whether our newfound stablemates, the rest is football, can topple Football Weekly, who have won it for several years in a row now. So we can't uh, get behind them in like a coalition. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, can we split the vote? Well, so we're we're like the junior partners in the coalition. We're Clegg. Yeah, yeah, we are Clegg. We are quite Cleggy. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, good luck to us. Vote for us if you love us or even just slightly like us. All good. Thanks indeed also for all your feedback on Happy Hunting Grounds, the quiz that I've been putting rather too much energy and enthusiasm into, it turns out. We are going to tweak it. We've got some very good thoughts. We're going we're gonna to smooth it out. And I think that might be back next week. So uh, look out for that. All right, time to adjudication panel. Let's begin with this. Charlie, felt like an above-averagely magic FA Cup weekend. I mean, there were just lots of games, which kind of helps that sort of thing. But it felt like a good, solid one for the FA Cup purist. Yeah, quite a few nice stories and teams from way down the pyramid. I listened to the Today programme on Saturday morning, and it's you know that's always a good barometer, I suppose. And that's it seemed to have cut through. And uh, I mean, that's the perfect home for it, isn't it? Really, because you know one of those fairy tale stories was uh, Isthmian League Premier Division outfit Horsham away at Barnsley in the cup on Friday night 3-3 three, three ended and um, I'm a keen student Dave of how clubs tweet out their goals and indeed opposition goals and what kind of tone they go for this was possibly the humblest tweet I've ever seen and I don't mean this in a patronising way I mean it in the magic of the FA Cup kind of way Horsham tweeted when they went 1-0 up we've only gone and scored which is <laughs> which is just the right amount like it's just it's not twee it's it expresses perfectly the kind of four-tier gap, the 98-place gap in the pyramid between the two teams. Yeah, five exclamation marks as well, I think, on on the tweet adds to it as well. Meanwhile, Charlie, uh, Nick Parker writes in and says, has there ever been a more FA Cup third-round match vibes in the Premier League era than Luton versus Liverpool on Sunday? Um, <laughs> it was the night, it was the fact that it was played in the evening that really yeah, changed it. it. I thought that was that was absolutely spot on. The uh, My only gripe would be if I envisage that match, it's a Saturday, it's the Saturday tea time game. Yeah, Viking, that would be yeah, Noro that, on Cocom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there was a Liverpool such yeah. a similar game. Was it the Alonso halfway line goal? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Not, that yeah. feeds into this, which is annoying. But, 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 yeah, but no, but I wasn't actually thinking of that. There was another one they had where Liverpool got beaten. Though it, the, the game I'm thinking of was on a Sunday, maybe like 2013. Right. And it just it, the aesthetic of it really reminded me of that. And the dynamic of the game, Dave, was very FA Cup-y. Sort of underdogs going one 0 up, trying to hold on backs to the wall and then yeah, the Premier League outfit sort of spare their blushes to an extent. Kenilworth Road is probably the most FA Cup-y ground the Premier League has ever seen. Certainly, maybe in the early days, there were some more ramshackle grounds when people hadn't modernised yet. But like in the recent times, there's not been... There's not even probably, probably Vicarage Road the next one down when they had the stand that was condemned. I think I don't think there's been anything as bad as those two in terms of FA Cup-y Premier League grounds. Yeah, my standards are slipping. I haven't been on Google Street View to see if there's a tree next to Kenilworth Road that you can see a game from. Um, I bet there is. Even mm, someone's gone. No, it's very hemmed in by houses. Oh, fair, yeah, trees. too urban, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, just to rubber stamp its FA Cupness, Charlie, Keys and Gray agree with us. I've stood with you many times here, and you've said to me when, when a game like this is taking place, I don't understand why teams that are going up against the big boys don't treat it like a cup tie. But that was the feel of it tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, that they had the a go. Of it. They had a go. They had a go. And they didn't mess about. You know what was good about Rob Edwards' tactics tonight, Richard? 
Did you see them roll it out from the six-yard no, box to no. set the foot, a set and a half in the box and try and play the ball out and give Liverpool a chance to jump all over them? No, they didn't. There was an element of logic there. The Luton's game plan did work for them, but yeah. Um, any opportunity to go down that road and they took it. Right. Uh, speaking of going down old roads, you will remember our recent debate. Well, not really a debate. Our recent protest against the misuse of too little, too late. Listener Alan Whitford has got in touch with this. This was from ITV West Country News last week as Middlesbrough edged past Exeter in the Carabao. The Grecians took an early lead, but they uh, narrowly missed out on getting through to the quarterfinals for the first time in the club's history, losing the game 3-2. An equaliser scored by Trevor in the 66th minute proved to be too little too late as Middlesbrough put the game out of reach with a penalty in the last 10 minutes. That doesn't even work retrospectively. Whoa. You cannot have an equaliser of too little too late. That's, that's just bad news script writing, isn't it? Yeah. Weird. That's crazy. Yeah. Like a minority report approach to too little too late there, Dave. <laughs> Ultimately, it, it was technically well, yeah, too little too late. This is what we were saying, wasn't it? You should have scored the equaliser later. Should have done it afterwards. It's like you said, the team went 2-0 up, lost 3-2, and ultimately that 2-0 lead proved too little too late. They needed they needed to be 3-0 up, as it yep. turned out. Can't argue with that. Next up, Ben Henderson was uh, watching Match of the Day, Fulham versus Manchester United. Jonathan Pearce on comms, and uh, Andre Onana forced into action. Flips the ball away with a save. We've got a bit fortunate. That's a poor corner. First save Onana's had to make in anger. Ben Henderson asks Charlie, can anything other than a shot be made in anger? You can't have a save in anger. You can't. You say like you talk about the first ball kicked in earnest, don't you? Yeah. You, you don't you would you, you wouldn't really say that in anger, would you? You can kick a ball, ball in anger, definitely. I think it's for when players come back from injury. First time he's kicked a ball in anger since his since his long term injury. Um, I right. Think it's okay. Whereas Ernest is more of a start of the season thing, isn't it? Yeah. I can't think of an example. I mean, do you think that was because the save was No. You think no, just... whatever you're about to say is no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Dave. But in would that anger, have informed his thinking? I mean, possibly. But Dave, the the kind of the phrase "in anger" has completely lost all meaning um, over the years, and it's got looser and looser just to mean a thing that has happened for the first time in a while, or, it, or you know, in this game. But it, you can't have a save in anger. You just can't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. No. I, I think you sometimes hear people say they they've barely had a shot in anger. Mm. Mm. They've not even had a shot in anger. You know, you sort yeah. of the, the absence of. Shooting in anger is often remarked upon. Yeah. Generally, the first shot in anger, almost by definition, Charlie, has to happen early in the game, I think. You can't have a shot in anger in like the 93rd minute. Yeah, I mean, it's such a weird... I'm just trying to think now what... Like when it... Because as you say, it's lost all meaning. It's just used... What what did it mean? Well, it, I mean, the reason why shooting is so relevant to it is that it, it, it harks back to sort of early military terminology, where it's the, it was the first shot... In, I don't want to say oh, competitive okay, yeah. wartime. I mean, in, in actual <laughs> theatre of war rather than in practice is what it means. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's right, first okay, shot yeah, in a competitive makes, battle. Yeah. Shooting is a proactive thing. You're choosing to, to shoot in anger. You can't. It's not up to you whether you, when you make the saves. Mm, you have to true. make the saves when they happen, yeah, whether you're agreed. angry or not. Agreed. Another <laughs> nail in the coffin for that one. Right, this is superb. Some praise coming out for one-time cliches ace Sakir Starmer's recently appointed Chief of Staff Sue Gray. And uh, 
Here's a little passage from Sky News. Another senior Labour source told Sky News her style of leadership is inclusive. She's a very impressive operator. She's the first person in, she's the last person to leave, (laughs) and she talks to everyone, even the most junior person in the room. She's even tackled how some people treat the cleanest. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, Charlie, when I pasted this into the document, I didn't even notice these. she's a very impressive operator, which is very key. Operator's amazing, yeah. First person in, last person to leave. I mean, obviously it's a very universal sentiment in pretty much any industry i guess that's probably a good thing but great to see it in this context i mean she even sometimes sleeps at labor hq <laughs> wherever wherever that may be video analysis the training the training group the labor training ground watching old videos of recent by-elections <laughs> i mean she almost knew charlie what the result was good the by-election was going to be before we even started and we were stunned she said just you wait and that's exactly how it turned out we couldn't believe it that's her gift they, they just follow her. They trust her implicitly. Right. Excellent. The next one comes from Horse for Tweets. It's a quote from Kean and Dewsbury Hall of Leicester, uh, head of their game against Leeds on Friday night. Dewsbury Hall said, if we continue doing what we're doing, then something special could happen. It's about keeping your head on the floor, staying grounded and taking it step by step and keeping your foot on the gas. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't actually read this quite. I just pasted it in because I knew it was brilliant, Charlie. Now I'm trying to assess the... It's like Twister. So head (laughs) on the floor, staying grounded. So that's like a plank almost. You don't want your head on the floor. Don't have your head on the floor. I don't know what that is, actually. Head on the floor. Lads, lads, our head's on the floor here. Yeah. (laughs) You want to keep your head up? Keep your chin up. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he says head on the floor, staying grounded. Feet on the floor. Feet on the ground. Keep your feet on the ground. Yeah, you want your feet on the ground. Taking it step by step. And keeping your foot on the gas. So that's like hopping. So, yeah, hopping quite quickly, I suppose. I think my PT got me doing that the other day. It was most (laughs) unpleasant. Uh, But, yeah, great stuff. But, Dave, you know, on a semi-serious note, it just goes to show that you can just chuck any of this stuff in and stir it around. And then the sentiment (laughs) will come out and say, yeah, do you know what? We're just staying staying focused on our goal. I mean, yeah, we we know what it means. We get it. We get the the sentiment. Mm, Agreed. Right. This was more of a subtle one. Charlie, this came from Phil Blundell. David O'Leary, he says, has just declared Declan Rice a revelation at Arsenal on Talk Sport. What's the bar for when someone can and can't be a revelation? It feels like a £105 million international simply can't be one. We'll get onto whether Declan Rice could or could not be one in a moment, but what generally are the criteria, the main criteria for being a revelation? It seems to me that you have to be something of a surprise. Yeah, exactly. By by its nature, something is being revealed. I think you often hear it's like he's been a re- revelation at fullback. Mm. So it will be someone who hadn't really played there before, but he's been converted by his manager. Yep. And like the revelation is that not only he can play there, but he's really good. So I guess with Declan Rice... Joe Linton, perhaps. Yeah. Joe Linton, exactly. Yeah, yeah great, exactly. Great show. Yeah. I guess you could, the way you could make that argument with Rice is he's, if this were the case, you know, that he played more as a deep-lying midfielder at West Ham, he's been a revelation in that more box-to-box role. Mm. I guess you, I, I still, I, I see what, I see the point that that's tricky because you kind of, for 105 million, is it a huge reveal that someone who's amazing at football can play in a slightly different position? Yeah, I don't think he's doing anything differently enough. Exactly. Yeah. I think he'd almost have to be playing as like, you know, a front man or a, a winger or something for that for, for someone that good. to be, The bar's higher for it to be a revelation. So, Dave, you know, top of the list here is players playing in a new position and it's given them a new lease of life. And, and it surprised people who thought that they might not be so good there. Could you be a revelation when you just come into a new league, for example? He's been a revelation yeah. since he's come in. Can he's hit the ground running? Uh, Jeremy Doku. 
for City. Has he been a revelation? I, I think he's close to yeah. I think yeah. he needs a big game statement performance and then he's been a revelation. But he's well on... I think he's on course to be a revelation. But I think he's still a little bit whisper it quietly, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think is what the expectations... Like, you presume if City are signing someone, he's going to be really good. Yeah. Mm. yeah I, think, so I, I think the signing was... I think it has to be sort of unheralded and it, it wasn't a massive fuss around him signing, was there? No. I mean, I, th- I think the, the City counterpoint might be someone like Akanji. He's always cited as like, City don't actually spend that much. Have you seen Akanji? He, you know, he didn't cost loads. Who's like the one player who didn't cost loads. Yeah, you've got to and be he, creative when it comes to a City revelation. And Akanji's probably close, but in a completely think, different way. Yeah. But I, but I do think, you, yeah, you can just come in. I'm trying to think of someone this season. It, like the, the position one is is definitely one. But yeah, I think it can just be he's come in. I mean, can a manager be a revelation? Big Akanji's been a revelation. He has been a revelation. We say this, you know, ahead of Monday Night Football. He, he could have had an absolute nightmare. I suspect he won't have done. But um, or, or someone who it wasn't necessarily thought, if they were sort of thrust into a player manager, even someone like Gary O'Neill, who I think a lot of people would have said, because he came... He was a revelation on Monday Night Football, wasn't he? He was a revelation, he was. exactly. He was a revelation <laughs> yeah. on Monday Night Football. I think, I think people said, but also he, you know, prior to last season... What was he was was he on the coaching staff at Bournemouth? Was he an internal appointment? Mm. So no one thought of him as like or outside of the club anyway as a potential manager. But I tell you what, he's been a revelation. You know, he's got them playing good football. Yeah. They're not yeah. in danger of relegation. I mean, you've always got breath of fresh air, just in case you don't want to go too overboard. Uh, but even that's a different kettle of fish. You have to have the personality to be a breath of fresh air, which Ange definitely well. is. Yeah, exactly. Right. This email comes from Chris Sutton of Melbourne, Australia. So not the actual one, but still technically. A one. Right, he says, I've been thinking a lot lately. This is great because he's got bullet points here as well. He says, I've been thinking a lot lately about the phrase and Team X have some defending to do here. I'm not an expert, but here are some of my thoughts on the specifics for its usage. Right, first category he gives Charlie is probables. These are the probable situations that you would use and Team X have some defending to do here. Free kick. He says it should be swung in from a wide position. All the big men are up and it's all a bit tense. Like there's, a, there's an air of expectation here. That That's probably the, the bread and butter usage of some defending to do here, right? Because a set yeah. piece is... Because it needs to be a set piece because you have to have that to pause, that scene. moment yeah. to reflect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think situationally, um, yeah, that, that that's a good one. Second category, Dave, are the nice-to-haves. Last five minutes of the game... Defending a one-goal lead, the goalie's not good enough under a high ball. You're holding out to win a, you know, an important thing like a cup. And he says Team X equals Arsenal. Right, very nice specifics <laughs> here. Um, so presumably, yes, this is this is open play, which is a little trickier, Dave. But it could be possible. If you're talking about something else, and then suddenly, well, they've actually got a bit of defending to do here. As, as would you have said it about Luton yesterday after they went one 0 up? But I think it was kind of self-evident. They already had. They've yeah. been doing it all game. Yeah. I mean, because because I think that's what it is. I think the game state thing is that you might be, and all of a sudden, Arsenal have got some defending to do here. So I think in that situation, they've been two 0 up, look really comfortable, conceded sort of out of nowhere, and then the crowd are getting on them, the momentum switch. And now they've got some defending to do, you know, because all of a sudden they seem a bit back to the wall. Maybe, maybe it comes well after someone's just, a defender's just hoofed one clear mm. when the rest of the game they've been passing it out calmly and they suddenly look a bit rattled. Mm. But I still think Team X have some defending to do here, Charlie, is a, it comes down to a specific passage of play. I don't think it's a kind of medium term observation on the rest of the game for the next 20 minutes. I think it's like, you know, a winger is actually darting at their fullback. And they, well, they've got some defending to do here. I think if it were games, they would have to be very late. I agree. I, I think twenty. I think twenty minutes left is too early. I think it's more you're, you're suddenly for the last few minutes. But again, like you said, with that, I, I think open play ones are tricky because mm. you just wouldn't set it up like that. Yeah, it's possible. You know, I think it's when the ball's dead. Yeah, I can. Possible. I can kind of picture Gary Neville saying it, like, or, or even Carragher. Like the commentators describe the passage of play, the ball's gone out, and then there's that little 
bit of space before the corner gets taken. And Neville's like, right, United have got some defending to do yeah, here. Yeah, it's essentially like switch on, isn't it? Yeah, they've got yeah. to be switched on yet. Yeah, okay. Okay, let's do the last two categories from Chris Sutton. First of all, the debatables. He says when the attacking team are winning. So... The implication here, Charlie, is that the team doing the defending are already essentially doing the defending because they're under the cosh. So you wouldn't use it. It's not a notable thing to say. And then finally, Dave, the unacceptables. Uh, when the defending team has an unassailable lead, what's the threshold here then? Would you say, well, team X have some defending to do here, but that's probably what? You you cut that off at 2-0, right? Yeah. What about um, if you were if you had a lead and there was an away goals situation? So you might be 3-0 up no, in Europe. They can't double, of course. <laughs> but you've still got to have some defending to do, even though yeah. you've won the match. Yeah, I think there, if there's still an goal. overall requirement to, to stay switched on, then there's always the yeah. prospect yeah, yeah. of having some defending to do. Right then, in the midst of uh, Fulham Manchester United on Saturday, the Athletics' John Muller got in touch and he says there's something about United yet to trouble the goalkeeper, although they did have that goal disallowed, that doesn't sit right with me. Can VAR retroactively untrouble a goalkeeper? I mean, this is quite a sort of philosophical point, mm. Charlie, but let's let's deal first of all with the technical aspects of this. What's the threshold for a goalkeeper being troubled? If, if they conceded a goal, for example, that they had no chance of saving, whether they died yeah. or not, is that troubling the goalkeeper? <laughs> I mean... Are there going to be a few people saying, well, of course it is. And I suppose it is, isn't it? I mean, it's trouble. a lot of trouble. That's, I mean, that's I, I ultimate think, trouble. Yeah, I, th- I think generally you're just going on, have they had a shot on target? Because I think otherwise you're, it's becoming too subjective. If you want to do it in the way that like refs approach games and it's like we have to follow the laws, I think that is generally what they would... They would glance at their shots on target, yep. tally, see that they've had none. I'm safe to say it. Dave, whilst I realise that this doesn't count as being on target, if you hit the crossbar or the post with the shot, have you troubled the goal? goalkeeper possibly because you you i think yeah i think the goalkeeper will have felt troubled <laughs> I, kn- I knew he was gonna say it charlie i could see it in your face that you knew he was gonna say it and uh yeah that's fine Perturbed that's not what it means it's a troubling that's situation for the goalkeeper oh dear the but that's exactly what you want to avoid because there are going to be lots of situations that are potentially troubling for yeah <laughs> Oh, I've left the oven on. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it always the oven? Right, um, okay. Uh, let's get on to the philosophical point, though, Charlie. Let's keep Dave in with us if we can. Um, it is a good point that John Muller makes here because, you know, statistically and, I guess, narratively, we disregard chances that have been created yeah. that are very slightly offside. They get they get sort of written out of the story in terms of assessing a team's dominance. You could create five chances, they're all offside, and it feel like they would only get mentioned in dispatches despite it being a very clear indicator of you being on top. Well, there was that whole thing about in the 2018 World Cup semi-final, England v Croatia. Kane went through, didn't he? And it, and he he had a shot. It was saved. He could have squared it. But then it was like, but would it have counted? Mm. Would it? it was off, well, but it was marginally offside. But yeah. that matters because you know we talk. How big a regret is it? Because it's we big. don't know. I guess it depends how at what level you want to analyze the game. I mean, let's take an extreme example, perhaps, Dave. It's the same with kind of like supposedly blush sparing offside flags for a missed sitter. I feel like it's still you should still analyse it. That, that was shit. Like his finishing <laughs> is shit. It, it doesn't was matter. Good one yesterday in, yeah. in the, the Luton v Liverpool game when Darwin Nunes missed from a couple of yards. Was that offside? And, and actually, Sa- Salah was it offside. The, right. The, Salah's nodded it back uh. across. And he was offside. The flag went up. And it, I don't think it would have counted. But yeah, I don't think it did spare his, spare his blushes because he didn't know. He didn't know no. that. And he <laughs> no, missed, it, he's missed from two yards. But it, but it, is, yeah. a, it is a funny instinct, isn't it? You do, like you do, if you do miss a chance, you are quite hopeful 
the flag goes because there's like, that little oh, hopeful re- look to the lines. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that makes me. That means I'll regret it a bit less, which is really weird. But you do. That's definitely an a human yeah, impulse. I do get the sentiment, but I think we should rein in the act of blush sparing when that happens because it is still fundamentally quite bad. As well, what John's asking there was the thing last season where Richarlison got booked. I think it's happened to him twice actually for taking his shirt off after scoring. Mm. But the goal was then disallowed by VAR so it's kind of like well I don't know like the act he's still taking his shirt off yeah, yeah, yeah. so he has to get the booking but you do you feel a bit philosophically like that's that's kind of raise history but yeah. you're doing it kind of in the knowledge of like I've scored I'm taking the go I don't care I'll, I'll take the booking because I've just scored mm. it's like well like it doesn't feel like a fair deal you're like, oh <laughs> I, if I'd known that I obviously wouldn't have taken my he shirt he knows the rules and he decided it was worth doing and that's why I don't really mind yellow cards for shirts coming off just well you know they've decided it was on the balance of you know everything they've decided yeah I'm going to take it so that's fine it's, I don't see the uproar about it to be honest I'll see the uproar about all of this though because it's time for footballers names in things it's gone crazy day footballers names in things not necessarily in a good way uh, at least two people I, I warned you you opened the floodgates yeah the floodgates have opened yeah rather well it's the two competing threads isn't it because I, I remember do you remember we did the episode on mu- on music and footballers so, and, and they're mainly not actual uh names then obviously you've got like the michael Essien examples which are which are they're like there are very there are two different very different threads here yeah but it's amazing the kind of multitude of people who get in touch about very specific things at least two people got in touch again within minutes of each other claiming that they can hear pavel cernicek in the lyrics of saturday night by suede i checked it it's not very good but it's amazing that two people still spotted it um <laughs> Very important note, from now on, anyone who sends in the word anyhow, sounding like Eddie Howe in a song, there's a moratorium on this. I don't care about this anymore. It it works perfectly every time, and that's probably the reason why we don't want it anymore. So let's get on to the real real business. Come back to us when you found a Jason Tyndall. (laughs) Right. Elliot. This is great. Unknown mortal orchestra here with a song dedicated to a Crystal Palace in England centre-half. You know, I assumed Gareth Southgate here or Gary Cahill, but no. We having that? Are we having Mark Gay? I think, yeah, I was like, I think I've got that. <laughs> I think sometimes it's just the delivery of it, as if it could be a song celebrating that player rather than it just popping up in the middle of a song. There are lots of strands going on here, and that's why I selected it. Right, fine, we'll brush (laughs) over that one. Let's have one more go. This came from Max Kelly. This is Future revealing his favourite current co-commentator as he features on Chance the Rapper's Smoke Break. I push it down to the floor. I got designer galore. I keep some go-yarding cars. I smoke out all of my cars. It's like 90% there, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's there. Good. It's, good. it's enough. I wish it was. How brilliant it would be. You've got to be on your guard these days because sometimes they're just dropping actual names in and it ruins it. But yeah, anyway, good stuff. Right then, welcome back to football cliches. Let's kick off the second half of the adjudication panel with this. Um, This was a nice harking back to an old school development, Charlie. The Daily Mail reports that David Moyes may move upstairs when his contract expires. You don't see a lot of moving upstairs anymore. Who was the last manager to Uh, move upstairs? I honestly can't... I mean, Kenny Daglish, that's where I first heard the expression. Mm. And maybe that's why it's like left an indelible mark. I I think that's when it was coined. I'm convinced. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, certainly for me, first time I heard it, he... 
Remember that the night because it was was it the season they won the league? Did he do it straight away when they yeah. won the league? It was the season they won after. the league. They won the league, and then he moved upstairs, and Ray Harford. Ray Harford was came in charge. In. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the only one. Have there been others? Harry Redknapp. Did he do it at Portsmouth? Because there was a, there was a bit of moving downstairs. At I've Portsmouth. got an answer for that. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, there was your, there was your your Avram Grant's moving downstairs, having been upstairs previously. Did Avram Grant was he was Avram Grant upstairs at Chelsea before moving downstairs? Avram Grant moved downstairs, I think, uh, which which I think yeah. is quite common because it's essentially like caretaker management, really. Cliche semi regular Jack Pitt Brooks says Harry Redknapp moved upstairs to move to Pompey, then moved back downstairs again. Mm. So yeah, Redknapp's very good for this sort of thing. Um, can you can you move upstairs from? You have to you have to be at club. the club first to move upstairs. You can't. I think it should be, yeah. yeah. Yes, I would agree with that. That doesn't count. Does it have? Do you have to become a director of football, Charlie, to move upstairs, or can it be any administrative position no. on the board? Could you become a board member with no input in the football whatsoever? Because no. in the Ferg, then then that would have counted with Fergie. That's what I was about to ask. Did yeah. Fergie uh, count as moving upstairs? No. Yeah. I don't see why it shouldn't count. No, it doesn't because it, it, there's a level of distance. He's just on the board. He's just a director. That's just you know that's just is, kind it of is club very for much life. Upstairs, isn't it? I think the upstairs implies you're in residence permanently. You're still involved, and you're yeah. overseeing the manager on a day to day. Yeah, yeah, undermining his existence. But yeah, it does feel like a dying art moving well, upstairs because we've now got to the point where clubs have worked out that simply shifting the manager into a into a job is completely pointless. <laughs> You know, they have, they've got proper people doing these jobs now. Yeah, I was going to say, the rise of the professional sporting director, the ultimate yeah. frauds, by the way. I've, I've probably said this before, but I'm fucking sick of sporting directors. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of all their names. I'm sick of all their weird little their CVs. Names. None of them have played football. <laughs> Which I don't kind of believe in my heart, but it still annoys me. Uh, I, just, I just think it. I think it's... You know, pound for pound, the biggest, most fraudulent role in football. Right, yeah, okay. Before I get too keezy about that, let's move on. Ross Freeman. We covered this before, but maybe not with this particular nuance. He says, the commentator during Saturday's Brentford versus West Ham game said, what an advert for the Premier League after Nathan Collins' 70th minute goal. What constitutes a good advert for the Premier League? I suspect it would have to be an entertaining match, six or more goals, including at least one from outside the box, between two high-profile teams being watched by a large number of people outside the UK. Now, this is the point I want to pick up on, Charlie. We've done great advert for the Premier League before. It's an eventful game, that you know, a ding-dong battle. But if it's a Saturday 3pm that isn't on UK TV, can it still be a good advert for the Premier League? And then when I say that, I think... Well, maybe it makes more sense for it to be a world feed situation because you're advertising yeah. it to the rest of the world. Over here, we're kind of already won over. We don't need to be sold. No, exactly. I think that makes sense. Yeah, you, you can because it might be in this country you can't. Mm. So I think the sense is that it's a kind of casual fan watching it. Yeah, that it's a great advert for. So it's because you don't need to advertise to people who are already hurt. But if you're saying like, oh, do you want to give the EPL a go? <laughs> if you like yeah, West Ham, right. Brentford, yeah. Yeah. get a load exactly. of exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think one thing it's missing is the great advert for the Premier League is often an upset because it conforms this idea that anyone can beat anyone. Whereas Brentford beating West Ham is kind of two mid-table teams. So that's not huge revelation. I think you'd like Luton Liverpool has some elements of a great advert for the Premier League. It's a ding-dong battle, a famous old ground and the team with a fraction of the budget of the 
multiple European champions can still get a draw. I, I don't. I, I would say that an upset or even a, you know a potential upset is a prerequisite. It can be part Not of it, but I think a, a, you know, a fundamentally even-handed ding-dong battle between two evenly matched teams is the archetypal great advert for the Premier League. No, I would agree, and I think that's. I think it does work better in this example because it's a world feed game, or the only people watching would be legally at least would be on the world on the world feed, which is why you would probably hear a great advert associated more with the championship, I suppose. In, in the UK. This is Do you a, hear that? Is that something that's said? It's a great advert for the, yeah, great advert for the championship. A great advert for the, for the championship. Yeah, good old Friday. Showing off its competitiveness. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Okay, next up, James McCann says, is there a definitive usage of helped himself? <laughs> I'm thinking it should be a couple of goals in a 6-1 win, but I'm sure it's used more often than that. What are the rules of saying help themselves to something? Right, it's got to be goals only, Dave. Is that fair? You don't help yourself to an assist, do you? Because it's like the goal is the buffet and you have been granted the freedom to gorge on it by the, you know... <laughs> freedom of the canteen. Team. Yeah, it should be goals only. I wonder whether... I can imagine it's creeping in with FPL. FPL, might, you might get it a bit in FPL. Jeremy Ducku got four assists, yeah. didn't he, at the weekend? Helped himself oh, to four more assists. More on that in a moment. More on that in the moment. But um, Ch- uh, Charlie, OK, let's drill down into this a little bit more. You can't help yourself to one goal. I mean, that's, you know, against the whole point of the gluttony here. You've got to help yourself to at least two. Help yourself to a brace. Yeah. I'm trying to, he helped himself. Um, he helped himself to a goal. Erling Haaland helped himself to a goal. As It just doesn't the, work, does it? The only way you might say, like, he even helped himself to a goal in the latter stages. Sort of been bossing the game. It doesn't work. And then just to sort doesn't of doesn't matter what off. tone of voice you use. I'm still <laughs> not one over. Yeah, but you're in getting it on the act territory if it's just one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, if you're being if you're being offered a bag of sweets, you know, I'll help yourself. You probably take more than one. Fill your boots. You take more than one, don't you? Not too many, but a couple. Yeah, agreed. Okay, good, great question, James McCann. Really enjoyed doing it. Uh, speaking of Jeremy Doku's creativity against Bournemouth, uh, the Sky Sports headline uh, went as follows: Charlie, Man City six, Bournemouth one. Jeremy Doku scores, then seals four assists. I don't like Whoa. it. I don't like it at all. And that's his fourth assist. He's done it. <laughs> He's done it. I mean, yeah. Seals his place in the record books because didn't that equal the most assists in a Premier League game? Yeah. What would you say, though? Like, it is a dilemma. Helped himself to four assists. I mean, I'm not saying I would, but helped himself to four assists is better than Seals. No, because it's not tangible. I mean, goals aren't tangible, but goals are semi tangible. An assist is not. You can't. It's just, it's nothing to get hold of there. It's nothing to claim, you know, beyond the statistics. So I'm not happy with that. I have had this before, like, contributes. But it's a really boring word. Cut of bags. I I was about to I was about to float the idea of bagging because I think this is where we might be we can you can bag and assist. I think I'm allowing. Can that you? Now. Yeah, despite what I just said a minute ago about it not being tangible, uh, I think I think this is where FPL has possibly laid its you know planted its flag. I think you can bag and assist because they are. I mean, Charlie, let's be honest, they are important to players now. Like assists are the currency of the assist is at its peak now. They are. They are goal contributions, which is a terrible phrase and needs in a replacement, has brought in assists as a very, very much an important denomination in football. So I think you can bag them in the way that you bag some coins to take to the bank to put them in, (laughs) that goals are worth more than coins. Yeah. That's it. What about notches? Notches for assists? No, because that, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> definitely, because like notching in the old days is what they actually did on the goalpost and registered the score. That's, what, that's where notching comes from. So you can't notch an assist. 
I think I think they if I were doing that I'd start it all again and just say like Doku stars with four assist haul. You can't have a haul of assists either. You can have a bag. You can bag your assists, but then you can't have a haul. You can have a haul of assists. Yeah, you can have a haul of assists. A four assist haul. That's disgusting. This episode is spiraling out of control. Records. Records. Yeah. Provides. Provides. Yeah. 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 It's not snappy enough, but it. No, it's not. Is it the best we've got? Yeah, bags it is. I'm afraid. Um, but I was saying something. I was saying like about someone not providing a goal threat. But I wanted. I basically was saying he doesn't provide a goal or assist threat, which obviously you can't really say. But you know what I mean. It's hard to like. You know, he doesn't provide a goal contributions threat. Also sounds ridiculous. Goal contributions is so bad. We really do need something else. There are players like that who are like they don't score, they don't get assists. But in that you can't talk like you can't say like oh he just doesn't have an assist threat. He he really lacks an assist threat, even though that is a. That would be a problem for, for a wide midfielder, say. Right, next up, similar kind of vibe here. This I think it was Sky Sports again. This came from Adam Greer. This was Everton against Brighton. Young own goal hauls Brighton level at Everton. Can an own goal haul a team level? Or does the player from that team need to haul his team level? Is the player doing the hauling whenever a hauling happens, right, Charlie? An own yeah, goal itself so. can't haul a team. Yeah, you'd say like uh, if you really wanted to use haul there, I think you say something. You know, even then you'd struggle. But you know, it's the Brighton pressure. Yeah, they haul themselves. Kind of haul level. them exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you could say I don't know an because Erling, I think there's Erling Haaland penalty hauls Man City level against Arsenal. The goal could do the hauling, but an own goal definitely can't do the hauling. No, but, the, but I think because there's an activeness to it, you want to be doing it. the own goal. <laughs> you know, it doesn't want to be doing. It obviously doesn't want to be <laughs> yes. going in. Yes. There's a really active feeling of like I'm just I'm grabbing us back into this game. Whereas there's such a relu- obviously a reluctance about an own goal. You know, the players then covering. I don't know. It just no. It's I really good. Pa- I, Dave's influence I, I think- is really taking hold here in, in, in a really good way. He's, you're learning and it's working. Right now, good. Uh, right, Joel Shooter asks Dave: Is it possible to run a game as a winger or a fullback, or is it exclusively a role for central players? I'm instinctive. I'm instinctively inclined to say you can't run a game from the wing. I think that instinct is correct, but I think there are more nuances to it these days because you could because they're see, coming inside. Yeah, Trent Alexander-Arnold mm. could run a game even he though he'd be nominally playing at yeah. right back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a centre back could could potentially run a game these days with the amount of possession they might have. Ooh. I think I'm pretty sure I saw. Oh, a piece I'm not sure about that. Actually. I saw, mm. I'm pretty sure I saw a piece. I th- I think it was on The Athletic. I might be wrong. Since they were talking about uh, Yannick Vestergaard playing for Leicester and how he's never passed the ball as much before in his life as this season. And he's just passing it all the time because everything's going through him. That was on The Athletic, I can confirm. Right. Because they're they're so high up and he's kind of basically playing in sort of the middle of the pitch. I think think there are some, some... Allowances. Interesting. I, get, yeah. I guess maybe there might, like, could John Stones have ran a game last season for City in that yeah. advanced sort of centre-back, centre-mid hybrid role? Yeah, you could definitely allow some very exceptional centre-backs doing it. But I, to me, Charlie, I say this tentatively, running a game is synonymous with pulling strings. And Setting I don't the think tempo. You, you can't pull strings as a centre-back. You can't pull strings as a winger. Why can't you and, pull the strings as a centre-back? Because you're not orchestrating the play, really. You kind of are. In that example, you, you could kind of are you're just you're like the fulcrum almost okay okay i'll tell you why it's because when you run a game you have to have it under your control whereas the center back is doing a lot of the early work but then it is kind of abdicating responsibility for the rest so it's very central midfield i mean it sounds too obvious but it is true you have to be kind of be involved in a lot of all the phases of the play 
You don't have to be a box-to-box player necessarily, but you have to be in the engine room. And a defender, as soon as they get rid of that ball with a short pass, they're, they're essentially saying, go on, you get on with it, lads. I, I know what Adam means. You are, you're sort of ceding, you, ha- you have to cede too much responsibility in a way. You're just, you're not taking enough touches. I think now though, you're right that with those, the inverting and things like that, you can because you, you are almost playing like a central midfielder, but that almost supports the point because in order to be doing it, you have to be playing like a central midfielder. But I think it's interesting, you know, with with Doku, for instance, you know, some people might be listening saying he scored four assists. Did he not run that game? But you don't, do you? Because you're not, you're finishing things off, but you're not kind of stuck. You're not the middle point of everything. Especially if you're a winger. Because the whole team are engineered to getting the ball to you in those positions so you can do the damage. And that's definitely not running the game. Um, You can run someone ragged. I mean, completely different thing. So, no. Got to be stern about this sort of stuff. A little bit late with this post-Halloween, but Jack Watkins wants to get it off his chest. He says, I was watching this Sky Sports compilation about, uh, it was titled Premier League players who come back to haunt their former clubs, Charlie. (laughs) Um, uh, Some of them involved players playing at home against the teams they used to play for. Can you haunt a team if you're playing at home against them? If they've come to you, can you haunt them? I think you can still haunt them, yeah. I suppose if you think about it, again, to get quite Dave about this, if you think about some classic haunting situations, those innocent people have come to the venue to be haunted. Castle, old house... (laughs) <laughs> I would say that 50% cla- of haunting happens in other people's houses well exactly it's a classic gothic technique they're not always com- <laughs> yeah, coming to you that's the classic haunting isn't it it's only these post, I mean, think post about, like, scream is only when haunting came to us yeah you think like The Shining or something they went to that hotel yeah, they travelled got- they travelled to get haunted <laughs> So I think difficult you, I place think to go can. the Overlook Hotel it's a really hard place to go yeah <laughs> On a freezing cold Tuesday evening. Out of season. Oh, um, secondarily, Dave, one example was Mares scoring against Leicester in a 5-2 defeat. Can you haunt a club if you end up on the losing side? Because I, I suppose you could do some short-term haunting and then ultimately the haunting runs out. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Not even in the moment. Hey, in the moment you can. If you scored can. the first goal, maybe, that, and then yeah. that, that would be acceptable. And he, oh, he's, the come, he's come back to haunt it. his former yeah. side. But in the end, they uh, they vanquished yeah, the ghosts. Try not to do premature haunting. <laughs> <laughs> right, great stuff. Um, speaking of ghosts from the distant past, <laughs> it's time for Keys in Grey Corner. <laughs> Only one, only one moment for us this week, but it really does showcase them at their best. This was Arsenal versus Newcastle. Was the ball in or was it out? Well, Ian had the exclusive. Here we go. Is it in? <laughs> there you go. So. That's a fat line. Yeah, but that's a fat line. Surely they're like... Hmm. Hmm. The plot thickens. Wow. It's just it's just great <laughs> broadcasting, amazing. Charlie. Amazing. Uh, amazing they can do that. My enjoyment of a Keys and Grey clip is directly proportional to how much of the air conditioning you can hear in the background. Because <laughs> yeah, then I so, know. It's so loud. Then I know. Do you know what, Dave? 
I have absolutely no idea how B in sports have suddenly got these world exclusive graphics that nobody else has the ability to knock up. But it's just fundamentally top class broadcasting. They're just going to stare at it and point at it, and then we just have to nod along, do we? Great. Well, stuff. they they have stolen a march on Sky Sports, for example, because Sky could. I'm certain Sky have got this technology. They can do yeah. it. They just obviously they can't undermine VAR to right. a certain. I you know the, the the relationship as the domestic rights holders, I think, is probably because it would be unofficial. Mind. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so, and I, I think in the same way that the, the Liverpool Tottenham thing, they kind of had to they had to tread around that carefully. You know, they had to kind of get the audio on Monday Night Football. They couldn't do it straight away. So I think there are considerations there. Whereas Keezy can just you just go for it, <laughs> go right. Yeah, the great thing is they don't seem to be fully prepared as to what conclusion they should be drawing because as Andy Gray points out, there is it's a really weird thick line. <laughs> What's so, his point oh. here? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm Certainly intrigued by the idea that the line on a graphic could be thicker than the line in real life. I mean, that's probably quite important, right? So I don't know what the standard width of a line is. Never even thought about it. But it looks like it's an extra line. That's I think that's right. what he's getting at. Right. So they don't really know what they should. They have. It doesn't know that they've been told like we've got the evidence here. It's conclusive. Go with this. I th- I think and I appreciate this is very visual. So on on the diagram, the line, the touch line has kind of been almost cut in two. So there's like a white and then there's a sort of grey shaded. I think they might have done that so you can see the ball clear more clearly because I think it is the right thickness. Surely it's the right thickness. They're not going to just make the line bigger just to fake the whole thing. Like I think it's I think it's accurate, surely. Yeah, they've split the line in half for no reason. Part of it is blue. And then they've got an extra line showing the extremity of the line and then the ball overhanging that thin line to show that it was in play. It's completely over-engineered. Um, mm. But um, but it's um, it's 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 a huge part of their season now, Charlie, because B in are, are now the go to people. Everyone's hanging on the edge of the seats to see if they can be in and now going to tweet out the official truth. <laughs> the plot <laughs> thickens. A great great line. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, who knew that we were going to be going to Keys and Grade for the voice of reason on these on these situations? Right. Great stuff. Great adjudication paneling. Really, really enjoyed that. Thanks to you, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks to you, Dave. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with our first. Mesut Harlan Dick's guest of the season. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.